Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me is Greg. What's up? And only Greg, because recording this right after uh, Washington fell to USC 65-61. to We're going to talk about all of the Pac-12 tournament games to this point for Wednesday and Thursday so that you've got something to consume as you get ready for the semifinals on Friday night. Um, but let's talk about because we just watched it and it was by far. I, th- I mean, tell me if I tell me if you disagree. I think this was by far the most entertaining game of the Pac-12 tournament. USC beats Washington 65-61 uh, despite Terrell Brown Jr.'s efforts, particularly in the first half. He went real quiet in the second half. Um, and despite USC's 22 turnovers, USC manages to pull away. Um, first of all. How did you enjoy that game? Was it the best uh, game of the Pac-12 tournament slate so far? And did, were you shocked by what USC looked like or what Washington looked like? Um, I was shocked at how good the game was. Like, I wasn't even getting... You were be- dreading this game. You didn't, I didn't even want to watch, watch it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to watch it. I said, they should just flip a coin. Who wants to watch this game? <laughs> and then, of course... It ended up being, like you said, the best game of the tournament so far, which is weird because, like, even if it had been a close, like, a close game, that's not what shocked me. What shocked me was that, like, not only was it close, but I was thoroughly entertained the whole time, you know? Like, I enjoyed watching that game, which was weird. I guess the Arizona-Stanford game was close, but yeah, it didn't have the same kind of... I mean, there. I think Stanford-Arizona was close for the most, for most of the way, but... I mean, maybe it's just because of what we think about Arizona that yeah, Arizona is gonna expected Arizona to win the whole time, whereas this game absolutely could see USC losing it the whole time through until the end, which was oh, hurt to watch as someone who definitely <laughs> wanted Washington to win. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's talk about how that game ended because, buddy, it was chaotic. Um, so at some point, uh, USC had a five-point lead with, I think it was, I'm going to look back here at the play-by-play. They had a five-point lead with one minute to go. Um, and apparently that was not enough to <laughs> to stop Washington. Washington um, ended up getting a foul call. Hit, uh, Cole Bajima hit one of his free throws, missed the other, and got there was a, a foul called on... Um, Oh, was it? Someone went over the back. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Washington and then USC proceeds to turn it over. I think this was on an oh. inbounds pass from Max Agbonpolo. Uh, PJ Fuller made the layup. <laughs> Timeout. Uh, USC is going to reset. Um, they get Drew Peterson the ball. And Drew Peterson, <laughs> Drew Peterson is dribbling it up. And for whatever reason, he lowers his shoulder and drives <laughs> into a Washington player. Turns it over again. There's just no reason for that. I I just don't understand what was going through his head. Unbelievable. And it felt like, I don't know how many times USC nearly threw away the ball on an inbound. They could not inbound the ball. Um, It was almost impossible. Um, 
So at the Washington was only down by two sixty three sixty one with about twelve seconds left, um, and why some some horrific out of bounds uh, play calling from Mike Hopkins. Honestly, it was a Terrell Brown Jr. ISO against Isaiah Mobley um, going at him one on one. He missed that think, layup. Was that the last play of the game? Second to last. Uh, I guess not the last. Yeah. Then they had another another chance at it. And they wanted Isaiah Mobley again. Right. Yeah, it was it was it made no sense whatsoever. Um, this Isaiah Mobley is a top five, top seven defensive player uh, in the Pac-12. And I get that he was not having a good game that he was out of it. This game Isaiah Mobley was. But like his defensively, he was still contributing. I, they, it made no sense to me. I mean, I think maybe they might have drawn something up and it, were expecting someone else to get switched on instead of Isaiah Mobley. But they went at him inside both times. You're, I think you're better off just getting Terrell Brown Jr. to shake him off and jack up a three for the lead or something. That was bizarre. Um, I just don't understand. You'd think like after the first time they tried and failed doing that. Hopkins would have been like, all right, guys, let's um not do that. Like, even if the play breaks down, don't go at their best defender. But... And they did it twice. They <laughs> did it twice they, to end the game. And they, and they blew their season. Ah, uh, but like shocking stuff. I mean, this game was, this game was fun. It felt like it actually felt like for 90% of this game, Washington was in control. Um, mm-hmm. I got to go look back at sort of the, the detailed box score to figure out what percentage of the time Washington was leading this game, but it truly did felt like they were in control. It felt like they had a lead for the vast majority of this game, got up to like seven at some point, kept it within, kept it at five for a little while. Now USC is just talented and very long and is always going to kind of keep itself in games. But um, you know, it's, it, it was, it felt like Washington was fully in control. Um, all that really, despite shooting 31% from the floor, 27% from three, a horrific shooting night from Washington all around. Um, and they, it still felt like they were going to be able to pull it out because uh, they were really good at forcing turnovers. They were all over the place, super active in the passing lanes all night long. Um, sloppy shit from, from USC. Especially Isaiah Mobley. I think oh, Isaiah yeah. Mobley had as many turnovers as Washington as a team. So, yeah, so it's close. Uh, Isaiah Mobley had five turnovers tonight. Washington total had eight. Oh, so they had some more at the end. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, but Isaiah Mobley, yeah, he, he had a brutal game. This was my pick for Pac-12 play of the year. He didn't end up winning it. Ben Matherin did. Um, but he finished with nine points, four for nine shooting over three from three did pitch in nine rebounds, six assists. I mean, he's their offense, right? So Mm -hmm. he's, he's like, he really, they really do need him to make plays for other players. Um, and he was doing that. In fact, I was like, his highlight reel from this game was like passing. His mm-hmm. passes were, the passes he was making were just like, what the fuck is this? This is good. Um, this is like, yeah. this is good shit. Um, you know, he had a sort of a couple of times where they trapped him underneath the basket Um out of bounds like they almost had him falling out of bounds and he just slung it like ha- like on the other side of the court um to get to get someone open or even just to save the play there was that one where uh i think he like it was off a rebound or something some sort of tip to someone else kind of in midair if you didn't get to watch it i'm not sure if they'll show it or if usc 
posted the highlight of that, but that he had just a couple of really great passes, but scoring wise um, was not there. He just did not look good. Turned the ball over a ton. Again, has to be their primary playmaker. Um, but certainly that hurts when you're leading the team in turnovers and your team committed 23 turnovers. So um, I don't know. Yeah. So, and then Terrell Brown jr. He had an, an incredible like nuclear God level first half scored 21 of his 23 points in the first half. Uh, but that means he only had two points in the second half. I don't know. What did you think of Trevor on junior and Isaiah Mobley? These are the two stars. These are, these are really like the for me, number that's two and, and the number three. Yeah. For me, that's one and two in player of the year uh, in the pack 12. Uh, I thought Trevor Brown junior was much better in this game. Even when he was, uh, like even in the second half where he just was not good offensively, he kept trying to like lower his shoulder drive down and he just wasn't getting foul calls because you have to do more than just lower your shoulder. If you want to get called, uh, it wasn't working in the second half, but defensively he was still very active and he was like getting Washington out in transition and in creating things, even if he wasn't scoring quite as much. And even if Washington wasn't scoring quite as much, he still had, like I still felt like he was Washington's best player, and, uh, and that means something. It's it's depressing that this is this is it for him. Uh, we're not going to get any more Terrell Brown Jr. But I, I I don't think he can be that disappointed with his performance. It's about as good as you can expect against a team that is much better. And uh, when you put up twenty three, and I don't know how many steals it had, but it felt like twenty. Like yeah, he was every all time over Washington the place. got out in transition, it felt like it was Terrell Brown Jr. starting it. He Hard to be disappointed with that. He led Washington in steals. He had four um, of their 13 steals, 13 steals. Absolutely insane stuff. USC had one. Um, I mean, Washington just did a great job of the reason, despite their shooting, the reason that they were in this game was they were turning USC over a ton and never really gave it up. Um, So that's what 15 extra possessions, despite shooting, you know, Mm -hmm. 19% percentage points fewer um, from the floor. So no, Terrell Brown Jr. was all over the place defensively. I mean, the, the entire Washington team, this is probably their the best defensive game I've seen from them. I mean, they're really good at turning teams over. They are. Um, this is mm-hmm. what they do. They they are actually kind of like, I mean, very, very, very light version of Arizona and that they love to poke at the ball to try to get it free and then get out in transition and play mm-hmm. up-tempo. Um, I, I wonder if they probably could have played a little more ball control as they were up five. I wonder what that might've looked like, but, um, but you know, uh, they, they did a great job defensively. Uh, yeah, crazy. This was, this game, this game was crazy. It was uh, a lot of fun from the jump. Uh, like it never at any point did I feel kind of like that I knew what the outcome of this game was going to be. I mean, yeah, USC is a talented team, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, at no point was I like, Oh yeah, I know. I know what's going to happen. I didn't. Yeah. You never felt like, it didn't feel fluky that Washington was winning, you know? Yeah. Uh, it didn't feel like USC is just going to blow them out in the second half because USC is just better. It was you, like you, there was a very real possibility that Washington was going to win and you could feel it throughout. And that made it very fun. Yeah. Um, and as you said, uh, that that is how probably how Terrell Brown Jr.'s career ends at Washington um, or ends period. Um 
kind of sucks. I feel like I was rooting for Washington to win this game, not not because it was USC, but because I, I really kind of wanted Terrell Brown Jr. to have. He's a player that's kind of built for sort of like having insane mm-hmm. March runs where you're just like that breakout guy who's just Would like. I would love to have seen like the country get to know Terrell Brown Jr. For, because of like a at least a first round upset win for Washington would have been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like it. It, it would have been people would have gotten to know Terrell Brown Jr. If he wasn't being hounded by all of this length. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this has happened to Terrell Brown Jr. A couple of times where he might have a, a very strong first half and then teams adjust and, and, you know, maybe that's part of it. Mm-hmm. If, but I mean, he did all he could. I mean, I like, I, I get that he didn't shoot well, but USC was pretty hell bent on trying to, trying to stop Terrell Brown Jr. Cause he was their offense for and the vast majority Terrell of this Brown game. Jr., yeah. Stop Washington. Yeah. Um, one other factor we didn't really talk about Nate Roberts, their starting big man. Um, he fouled out early in this game. They really could have used him, especially late down the stretch here. Um, mm-hmm. fouled out. He fouled out like with like eight minutes left or something like that. And before that he had that brutal missed layup. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I mean, despite that, I think they could have, they certainly could have used him for sure. Um, yeah. But you may, I mean, with all the attention that Terrell Brown Jr. was attracting, he might have gotten some open looks inside. Yeah, just toss it up there. Uh, Anything else about this game? This is nuts. Maybe Washington. I mean, who knows? Maybe Washington. I'm not sure. I don't really know anything about the what is it? The CBI, the College Basketball Invitational. No idea. That's the one that's lower than the NIT. Um, So who knows? Maybe Washington gets an invite to the CBI. Maybe I don't know. Are they in a contention for an NIT spot? Could they get it? That'd be fun. It'd be cool, cool to watch. Be nice, yeah, yeah. Um, it'd but, be cool to watch Terrell Brown Jr. in that. Not not I'm the not, big big tournament, but yeah, not optimistic about their NIT chances. But yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. However, a team <laughs> that might make the NIT, Stanford. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> they had, their record was worse than uh, Washington, but they yeah, had the quad one wins though. That's true. That's true. They do have the quad one wins, which is crazy to say. <laughs> Thank um, you, USC. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to that game really quick because this game was also uh, close for the vast majority. I think this one had something like 15 to 16 lead changes. It was nuts. It was mm-hmm. back and forth all game long. Um, so and Arizona ended up pulling this out 84 to 80 um, despite some incredible shooting. <laughs> incredible <laughs> shooting from Stanford shot 54% from the floor, 55% from three, 11 for 20, um, four for seven for Spencer Jones, Arizona did not have a good game offensively. Um, they were just, they just looked all sort of out of sorts. Um, some of that was Stanford. I think Stanford has some unique length, but they ended up pulling this out despite, uh, <laughs> despite looking not great. Um, I don't know. What did you, did you get to watch much of this game? What did you think? I only got to watch the second half of this game. Okay. I I did enjoy the second half. Uh, Stanford shooting, man. (laughs) My goodness. It was crazy. Spencer Jones is awesome. Like that was fun. And Harrison Ingram is really, really good. Also that three he had at the end. I don't know if it tied the game or if it put him down by two. But he had like the contested corner three, had no business getting anywhere close, and it somehow went in. Was just uh, that ending was really really good. the The biggest thing from this game though is not that it was close; it's that uh, Kirk Carissa went down with a few minutes left, and that is 
may be catastrophic for Arizona going forward. Yeah, costly win for Arizona. In addition to to having to claw for 40 minutes every second of that 40 minute game, right? It, it wasn't even like mm-hmm. the, they could take off the last few minutes. They had to they had to fight for every single second of this game. Um, in addition to that, they lose their starting point guard. Um, now Kirk Kreisa, people will say, well, he's not particularly good, and that's probably true. But um, he's their point guard, which matters. Mm-hmm. And also, Arizona is not that deep. Um, they go eight deep on most games. Um, today they ended up pulling out um, Ball. I always don't really. Yeah, I think it's Adama Ball. Adama yes. Ball. Yeah. So he gets some spells in when Kirk Reese yeah. can't go or something like that. And, and sure, maybe you might think that uh, Kirk Reese shot three for 11 tonight. I mean, he's just, he's not an he's, efficient scorer, but it's a score, but like he is without a doubt, Arizona's best playmaker. And when Arizona is not getting out in transition, they need him. He is, he makes the post entry passes better than anyone else on their team and they need those passes for their offense to thrive if it's not going to be in transition. Right. And, and he's even responsible for pushing it too. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes this is the one who's, who's trying to push it and knows how to do that. So uh, it, he, so it was a twisted ankle. Who knows the severity of it? You don't know anything. He, he had to be helped off. I don't think he put any weight on it as he left the court. He was in a um, boot afterwards too. Yeah, so not not great. If you got to be put in a boot and they got to turn around and play within 24 hours, that's. I think um, there's no way he's back for the Pac-12 tournament, and I doubt he's back for the NCAA tournament either. I mean, and especially with he, what he tweeted, it was like watch us go and win it all. Felt like more of a uh, sending him like off. A, I'm out, but like they're gonna do it anyway or something. You know, like yeah. I got the feeling that he's not. He doesn't think he's coming back for the yeah for the run, which is sad because I would love to see a full strength Arizona, but uh, Pella Larson and Dalen Terry are gonna have to step it up, especially Pella Larson. He's gonna have to be the playmaker. He's the he was the Pac-12 Six Man of the Year, but didn't even know they had that award, by the way. Neither did I until he got it. <laughs> um, I think someone was tweeting was tweeting at me like, "Who's the Pac-12?" Six man of the year. Do we have that award? And I was like, I don't think so. Here's my fictional six man of the year. I thought about <laughs> Pella Larson, but I kind of put Omar Ballo ahead of him. But anyway, um, I mean, I I just don't trust him yeah. with that big of a role. I think if Arizona's going to make the run, we hoped they would back when they had Creesa. And, you know, there was doubt from you, especially uh, that they were going to make that run anyway, just because of the way they rely on uh, transition offense. But, uh, they need Dale and Terry to step it up playmaking wise. I think yeah. he's going to be awesome. Now, I think he's going to be awesome next year, like in contention for Pac-12 player of the year next year, but I don't know if he's there yet. And uh, he's getting NBA buzz too. He may not yeah, even be back. He, um, I think, yeah, he might go this year. I think most people expect him to come back uh, yeah. for one year, kind of like Matherin did. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's there yet. And I'm I'm worried for Arizona. Yeah, scary times. Uh, that that went that win cost them more than energy. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I I you're probably right. I hope Kirk Risa does come back at least for the tournament to kind of make a deep run. Um, but yeah, it did not look good. It would not look good. He was writhing in pain, and 
had to be helped off all that rolled rolled his ankle about as bad as you can roll your ankle yeah yeah it was not great um on the stanford side though uh their season is over they finished 16 and 16 8 and 12 in conference probably i don't know yeah no that's worse than i'd yeah yeah not probably yeah yeah, not making the NIT. I don't really know what the criteria are for a CBI invitation. No clue. I like barely pay attention to that. Um, after the, I, I might, I might actually. Now that I'm a Pac-12 sicko, like a true, true sicko, I might actually yeah, I might watch, watch more some NIT games. Some, some NIT, some Pac-12 NIT. Um, do a little Pac-12 propaganda there, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it for Stanford season. Um, you know, I. The, it's it was shocking to see them beat Arizona State. Let's okay, let's rewind the clock. Yeah, let's talk. We about that. <laughs> did not talk about how Stanford got here. Oh my! Yeah, we did God. this. We did this. We are the reason that happened. That was a phenomenal game. That was. I mean, okay, so that was a phenomenal finish. But if you what? Yeah, yeah. You were watching this game. It oh was my God. fucking horrible. <laughs> I was just listening to that game while I was at work because mm-hmm. you know at work can't watch. And I'm listening, and it's just like Arizona State got up to like a 15-point lead or something like that. might have been 17. It was big. It was 17. And, uh, I think they point. broke their record for threes or something, and it was just like I'm bored, but I'm, you know, it's whatever. I'm at work, not really paying a ton of attention. And then I start hearing like, oh, Stanford. Stanford scored again. They scored again. Oh, oh, they're coming back. They're coming back. They might do it. And then was it with like, oh, my God, with like one second left? Just – yeah. So Stanford at uh, Arizona state had a 10 point lead on Stanford with two minutes, 15 seconds to go. I'm sorry. A 12 minute, a 12 point lead with two fifteen to go. Um, I have to tell you, this was the weirdest comeback I've ever seen. I don't, it wasn't necessarily that Stanford made a ton of shots. In fact, they didn't. Um, it was a Brandon angel layup, a James Keefe layup, a Harrison Ingram free throw. Uh, two Spencer Jones free throws, a Brandon Angel layup, and then a three-pointer to bring it to within four. Um, there were many, many opportunities for Arizona State. Arizona State came into this uh, game the hottest team in the Pac-12 by a mile. I think we were talking about them like, if anyone's going to do an Oregon State, it's probably Arizona State. Like they are, They were a different team at the end of the season. And so we kind of thought this kind of fits that formula um and and the way that they were dominating this game they led for the vast majority of this game led a big for the vast majority of this game it was only this collapse late that that uh that they finally ended up trailing um yeah spencer so they uh were up after marion jackson made a free throw and then missed his second um they were up four points um james keith gets the rebound they they get it up the floor. Spencer Jones drills a three. That dude went off in this two-game stint in the Pac-12 tournament. He he drilled a three to put them within one. Uh, they uh, Arizona State misses a jumper with about eh, nine seconds to go, it looks like here. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Harrison Ingram got the ball. He's the one who attacked because they had no timeouts left, so they had to push it full court. Harrison Ingram got to the cup missed it james keith gets the rebound um and banks it in from like six feet out and sanford ends the game with a with a lead i think that was their first lead since like the opening minutes of that game it looks like they led their last lead was they led four to three looks like was their last lead 
Um, oh man, imagine being yeah. an Arizona State fan oh, during that game. Absolute pain. So it looked like, and so you know that Arizona State Stanford game, a terrible game. Uh, just it looked like it was a blowout up until the last two minutes, and you were like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Um, <laughs> and and it looked like every, every time Stanford was making a little run, Arizona State had answers for it. Um, so it did. I had no idea that that was going to happen. Anyway, so then I was starting to think maybe Stanford was the Oregon State team of destiny here. They were beating up on Arizona game. Exactly. So their season ends. Um, Their season, they had a horrific end to their season. That was the opposite of Arizona State. It made no sense to me um, that they were able to do this. They lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, seven of their last nine games to end the regular season. Oh, sorry. Seven of the last eight games to end the regular season. Um, they were coming in with a five-game losing streak um, to bad teams too. Utah, Colorado's fine, and then they mm-hmm. lost to Cal, lost to Arizona, understandable, and then lost to Arizona State in the regular season finale. Like it, there was no reason to think that they were going to be able to do this, and they did. Um, they were competitive. Um, maybe that saved Jared Haas's job. Yeah, I don't know. He got the old uh, statement of confidence after the game oh or my whatever. God, terrible. Him and Mike <laughs> Hopkins both. <laughs> both both guys that just saved themselves in, in these two games, honestly. Maybe, maybe Mike Hopkins did a little bit earlier, but oh my god. Both anyone watching anyone have... watching that Washington team was like the only reason they're here is because of Terrell Brown Jr. Like his heroics alone. A competent coach wins that game for Washington. Yeah. Ugh. Crazy stuff. But, um, uh, other games. Uh, from Thursday, Colorado beat Oregon 80 to 69 and UCLA beat up on Washington. This game um, was so the Colorado Oregon game, that game was closer than the score indicates. And the UCLA Washington State game, UCLA beats Washington State 75 65. That game was much, much more of a blowout than the mm-hmm. score indicates. All the all pretty much UCLA won that game by 20 and there was 10 points of garbage time late. Yeah, at no point, I guess, early in the game. Like you said, you know, UCLA does not care about this game. And after that tweet, almost immediately after that tweet, uh, US, UCLA per- proceeded to care very much about that game and just absolutely stifled Wazoo. They yeah. didn't do anything. UCLA pulled away and it was game over. Yeah. The defense, again, the defense uh, clamps up Washington State and, 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 Really, I mean, they were having they had an ugly game offensively. They weren't they weren't any great shakes, um, but it was their defense. They have an mm-hmm. incredible defense. Still, I think the best defense in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um. So, and you know, when you have guys that you can rely on, like Jaime Hawkes, he looks like he's coming into form now. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's healthy. It's um, nice. Uh... He had some nice plays in that game yeah. on both ends. 23 points, 9 for 15 shooting, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. He was all over the place. Um, he's rounding into form, finally. Finally rounding into form. Uh, Jules Bernard is also rounding into form. This is another great game from him. 19 points, 7 yeah. for 12 shooting. This is the kind of dude that, like, hey, if you're going to make a run, you need him to, you know, it, he doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to do this every single game, but he needs to do this once in a while when other people are struggling. And he's done that. Uh, yeah. And Miles Johnson is continuing to be everything we hoped he would be before the season. And every Cody Riley minute hurts because you see, <laughs> you see Miles Johnson being this defensive God for UCLA, making them so much better. And the drop off is just really bad. 
Yeah, the drop off. Not all of it's Cody Riley's fault because Miles Johnson's just very good. But Cody Riley needs to be a little better in those minutes if he's going to get as many as he does. The drop off from Miles Johnson to Cody Riley, especially defensively, but not exclusively defensively, huge. Like, unbelievable. Like, massive. It's insane. Um, I've got to go back and look at the plus minus numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but I think I think David Woods tweeted that it was like like Miles Johnson was a plus twenty one and Cody Riley was a minus three or something ridiculous like that. It was insane. It was bizarre. Um, it it makes no sense to me. It's like watching these games. If you if you're watching these games, you can very easily see that UCLA's defense is just dramatically emphatically better than when Cody Riley's out there. Um, again, I mean, I don't know. Am I going to do more miles Johnson over Cody Riley discourse? Maybe I was just kind of like, you know, miles Johnson's minutes really, really matter. Um, they make an impact defensively. And when he comes off the floor, they need to figure out a way to mitigate that. And what you could do by mitigate that mitigating that is play him more minutes than Cody Riley, 19 mm-hmm. minutes for him tonight to Cody Riley's 21. I get, like that Mick Cronin saw what Cody Riley could do in the tournament um, last year, but uh, you don't need to do that when you have miles Johnson like and miles this. and, and miles Johnson, you know, it's it, this, this is a similar thing happened to a lesser extent with Jalen Hill and Cody Riley last year during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And um, Jalen Hill left the team midway through the season. So at that point he had to go with Cody Riley, but there's no excuse now. Miles Johnson's here. Um, and he's so good. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what, what he does there. As for Washington State, um, ugly game from them. A lot of that, I think, had to do, had to do with UCLA defensively. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, again, was just uh, the insane reliance on three-point shots. Uh, they of Their 53 shots, 29 of them were three-pointers. They went eight for 29 from three. That's 26, 27%. Um, they, so it's good that they beat Cal in a in a bad that did not that was not an impressive game for Washington State if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, they struggled with Cal on Wednesday, came back and had this uh, kind of kind of stinker um, again. Not not able to shoot from three despite that being what they rely on. Do you are you? I I have many clips about this. I you you tell me are you. Does this bother you? Are you concerned about Washington State going forward? Um, they will probably get an NIT bid just because the metrics, mm-hmm. the advanced metrics like them so much. Um, but I don't know. Do you do you are you are you worried about this? Are you worried about Kyle Smith's approach here? Are you starting to doubt him as a coach? Or am I just crazy? Am I just being reactive? I'm a little bit in between. Uh I'm definitely not as high on him as I was coming into the year. I was very, very high on him, thought he was going to be awesome this year and he was going to get a better job after the season. Obviously that's not going to happen now. Uh, I still think he's a good coach, but I don't think he is some awesome coach. that's going to leave Wazoo to the promised land. I think he's not like where I'm at now is he is a good coach for Wazoo because that's a program that should suck and he is making them solid. And so at the very least, he's a good coach for them. Just maybe he can't turn them into a tournament team. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm just not recognizing the constraints of Washington State. I mean, it's well, just I think the like- last the last coach who took them to a tournament was Tony Bennett, wasn't it? 
I think that's right, which is kind of crazy to think. And that's it's been a while. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, that's that's bizarre. I mean, it's been a while since Tony Bennett won a natty. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I I understand, and and maybe there's some real constraints there. I just I just look at that roster and feel like they do have some guys. They, have like, they should good. be better. I think yeah. they should be better. And I think I agree. It makes me wonder, just like. Uh, Cal Smith is an analytics guy. And so uh, him taking threes is, I think, a primarily a function of the analytics and saying, I mean, look, three is more than two. Um, I've heard some arguments from Washington State fans that the rationale for shooting so many threes is more about just that they don't have a playmaker, which I think I mean, makes sense. Sort of fair, yeah. That's fair. Um, but they, they do have guys that can do things down low, right? Like, I, I don't know. I mean... Mm-hmm. I really like Michael Flowers as a shot creator. Sometimes he did go three for 12, 0 for 8 from three today. Um, I sometimes, I mean, Noah Williams, I think, was supposed to develop into that shot maker. Didn't end up doing that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical of Kyle Smith, but again, it might just be a Washington State, th- State team. I'm sure this is probably, if we went back and looked at it, I'll have to go back and look at their basketball reference page. I think they, this might be one of their better seasons in, in their, you know, in recent history. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he might just be Wazoo's Tad Boyle in that I don't think Tad Boyle is spectacular. Yeah. But, but he gets you 20 wins every, been, every, every year. He has been consistently good. And, you know, Colorado's definitely a better job than Wazoo. But like, I think he's a similar thing for Wazoo that Tad Boyle is for Colorado. He'll just be consistent. Maybe you won't have the uh, the highest of highs, though. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to quickly talk about the Colorado-Oregon game. Um, Colorado ends Oregon's, I don't know, their last, last, really their last gasp for a tournament uh, bid, which was getting the conference tournament championship. Uh, so they finished the game 86 nine. This game was close for the vast majority of it. Um, actually kind of a fun game to watch. I couldn't say super locked in at some point though, Oregon just kind of, uh, gave up. So yeah. Uh, I, did you have any, did you get to watch much of this game? I, I, I kind of got the sense that Oregon was kind of given up. I, it mm-hmm. felt like their body language and the tenor of this game, after I think it was like around the eight, nine minute mark, maybe the seven minute mark where Colorado started to pull ahead a little bit. I just kind of felt like their body language. It looked like they had kind of given up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I thought during that game, I was excited for it. I thought it was going to be a good game. I thought Oregon was going to win. That did not happen, of course, but it was um, disappointing. Like you said, I totally agree. I thought Oregon checked out and in the second half, just the way that game was going, I started to check out. Like I watched the whole thing. Yes. But by the end of it, I was just really ready for it to be over because it looked like Oregon was ready for it to be over. They did not care. Colorado wanted it more. Colorado was better. Colorado thoroughly deserved to win that game, which is so disappointing if you're Oregon, because you have to be better than that. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for a, a guy that has a good resume, right. And Dana Altman, um, a good basketball coaching resume, at least, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for, for his team to kind of quit on him and really it wasn't just this game. I mean, they, they did fight. Um, and so you got to give them credit for that. They could have just laid down like they, like they, they have before. Um, but they did fight for the vast majority of this game. Um, and just 
flamed out um completely yeah. completely flamed out i don't know that they uh i don't know if quit on him is the right term because i don't i feel like once you quit on a coach you don't that's true quit on a coach that's but it true. felt like just multiple times throughout this year they were very very quick to give up yeah like not yep. just on him just as a as a collective they did not have a ton of fight in them and so every time things got hard for them except for like a few games they just folded yeah and you know part of that i think is oregon's roster issues with real richardson leaving and a couple of the other injuries they only played seven guys and they went seven deep tonight mm-hmm. um against colorado which is bad if you're coming if you're playing a back-to-back and you're coming off a, a game against oregon state that I mean, it, it wasn't the blowout that you'd expect against a team like Oregon State. So you had to play longer than you probably wanted to against a Colorado team that was rested. And, you know, if they hadn't given up against any of Washington or Washington State, they would have been in the position Colorado is, which is, you know, being having a bye here in the first round. Um, yeah, I mean, Colorado's just a physical team. They clearly wanted it more. It was like you could tell in just the rebounds. Um, Colorado out rebounded, um, Oregon 55 to 42. And, and it just felt like so many of them were hustle, right? Rebounds, just banging in the paint, being physical, mm-hmm. pushing Oregon, um, really whenever Colorado has to. those, uh, those big bodies Yeah, that, you know, they're built for that, but it also like, like we said, uh, Colorado wanted it more the whole time. Yeah. 16 rebounds for Jabari Walker. He, he was getting, Oof. he was really making himself a case for Pac-12 player of the year um come late he got named to the pac-12 uh all conference first team deservedly so another monster game from him evan batty had another great had a great game himself i mean not great shooting nights but they went after the boards he got 19 and 12 um just a lot of good performances or those two really they they combined for if i'm reading this right 36 37 um of uh, Colorado's 80 points, which is almost half by themselves. Um, so yeah, they will, they will go on and, and Oregon season ends. Um, are you just really quickly about Oregon season? Any, uh, everyone picked them to finish fourth in the conference. I think, or, sorry, I think they second. picked them to finish second in the conference yeah. preseason. Um, and it looked like they were putting it together. I don't know. Are you, this was, this was unique for Oregon in a number of ways. Like their early season collapses that they normally in struggles were way worse than they ever have been. Their and late their season collapse was their Yeah. Their comeback, like, you know, the resurgent Oregon for this season looked like what early season Oregon looks like in past years, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, starting from a completely different place um, and having to recover, I don't know. I mean, uh, are you, uh, are you concerned about like the trajectory after what we just saw from Oregon? Um, or you think this is just a blip with the transfers that they got just didn't, didn't melt well. It's it's hard to know, you know? So like Dana Altman after the game was, uh, obviously not pleased. I think he said, uh, we, we only won 19 games. We should have won a lot more than that. Uh, like it's hard to put it more blunt than that. That's what he said. Uh, and it's hard to disagree with them. I don't know how I feel going forward. Oregon recruits pretty well. And for that reason, at least I think they're having a good recruiting class coming up. Uh, the Oregon, <laughs> uh, one one Oregon fan in particular has been uh, sending messages about Oregon recruiting to the group chat. 
but I'm not I'm not quite off. Like I'm not worried about Oregon going forward quite yet, but I'm not giving them the blind trust I had in them before, you know? Like before this season, I was completely sure Dana Altman was going to do it again. They were going to be an awesome team. That's just how it is. I don't think they're going to be a bad team next year. I think they'll probably be good, but I am by like I am not putting any trust in them. I am very skeptical that they will be, I don't know, elite next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there. I'm, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe this is just a one-season blip. But uh, anyway, Colorado, all four seeds um, make it to the tournament. We'll talk about uh, who's going to, what we think is going to happen there, if either of those matches were, matchup, matchups we're excited for, if we've got picks. But first, our second ever ad read. All right. So this is our second ad read ever on this podcast. We don't really do them because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think they're cringe. Greg think Greg is ready to sell out for literally anyone Let for any know, amount of 12 money. 12 cents is my price. So. <laughs> 12 cents. Wow. Hard yeah. bargain. Um, anyway, but we're making an exception for home field. If you've never heard of home field, uh, you're not really on college fat football or basketball Twitter, I'm assuming, because every time they announce their apparel from a new school, Twitter goes in- insane. Just absolutely crazy. Um, am I wrong, Greg? Isn't that what happens? Oh, no, absolutely. Every single time. Um, so for the past eight weeks, they've been dropping new apparel from a new uh, partner school every Saturday. And their last drop now is UCLA, which is dropping their UCLA collection, dropping March 12th on Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, if you've never seen Homefield stuff before, it's gorgeous. It's fun. Um, apparently, they partner with schools to dig through their archives and history to find unique logos and mascots. Um, and they did that for UCLA. They do a lot of vintage, really cool vintage clothing. They've got 13 really cool pieces of apparel coming out, and every single one is gorgeous. Um, they've got some good old classic uh, vintage UCLA logos there, the 80s Joe Bruin, where he's kind of leaning on the L in the UCLA. They've got a Rose Bowl inspired shirt. Um, but then they've also got some logos that I've never really seen before for UCLA. They've got like some 80s looking echoey ones. Um, and they've got one of the center court logo at Poly Pavilion, um, mm-hmm. which I, I am one. I am personally very excited for. Me too. <laughs> um, all those pieces and 10 others drop on Saturday, March 12th. Uh, Greg, you actually own a Utah hoodie from Home Field, right? I do. And it is uh, the softest hoodie I own. It is. <laughs> it's my go-to when I just want to relax and feel nice. Yeah. Uh, it's like if a warm bath was a hoodie. They are absolutely paying Greg to say that. Um, they're paying you to say all this, <laughs> but uh, it, like Greg actually did own that hoodie before, um, before we were given this ad read. So, anyway, uh, first time customers of Home Field and our listeners can get fifteen percent off their first purchase at Home Field by using the promo code No Truck Stops at checkout at HomeFieldApparel.com. Again, that's No Truck Stops, all one word at checkout for fifteen percent off. Um, that code will be valid on March 12th on Saturday when the UCLA collection drops. If you're not a UCLA fan, they've also got swag for USC, Utah, Colorado, Washington, and Cal. Um, Again, pretty much anyone vouches, like everyone who's ever interacted with and gotten Mm -hmm. stuff from whole field vouches for this stuff. Um, I got tagged like 10 times before home field reached out to me. Um, Just 
just congratulating me for getting a home field drop, which I admit was pretty cool. I had uh, seen a number of ones and been a little bit jealous. And so I'm glad that finally we're getting one. Um, so anyway, just peruse home field collections. If you're a UCLA fan or if you're a fan of USC, Utah, Colorado, Washington, Cal, maybe any of the other schools, or just check it out. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you love them, use promo code no truck stops at checkout for 15% off. All right, let's move on to talk about our uh, remaining, our semifinals. Uh, this is it. We're getting down into the final, the final four of the Pac-12 tournament. The first game is going to be on Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific on Pac-12 Networks. Colorado is going to play Arizona. Um, I'm not sure if I see a line for this game. I'll look it up. But um, And then the other game is 8.30 p.m., on FS1, UCLA and USC part three, um, a rematch of uh, their both, both of their games have been very, very close. So which of these, let's start with the game that you think you're most, most excited for Greg of these two. I am excited for, um, I, I'm excited for both uh, for okay. different reasons. I think USC, UCLA has more pedigree, you know, it's got more of a, big yeah. time feel to it because you know the two teams are two of the best three teams however colorado arizona could be really good could colorado be good. could, could beat be them. good they yeah. already beat them once this year not too long ago and arizona won't have kirk Kreisa. uh colorado could absolutely pull off the upset there not sure they will and you know i don't know I, i'm excited for both it's hard to choose one well let's talk about colorado arizona i think i think that's going to be it could be very fun. Um, I Colorado again, their template so far in this in this stretch, they've actually had a very good close to their season. I believe they've won. Let me look back on it here. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of their last nine games coming into this Arizona tilt. Um, one of those games against Arizona, a handle handily beating Arizona. Um, their template is like just play physical uh, and. We've talked about it before. If there's a team their identity is really oriented around being physical and like pounding guys and pushing them around, Arizona kind of struggles against teams mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so it's, you'd be a little bit concerned. Now, Arizona has the advantage of, this is a bit of a home court advantage light for Arizona. There's a ton of Arizona fans in Las Vegas every single year for this. And this year is no exception. So I, that will go against Colorado, but it's still a neutral court. It's not really the same. Um, and I think Colorado's game with with uh, Oregon was much less intense than Arizona's was against Stanford. Mm-hmm. And now Arizona's going to have to, you know, Colorado's kind of deep. They've got some guys there. Um, they they can go. They they've got some depth that uh, will be useful for them. KJ Simpson, Keyshawn Bartholomew, both coming off the bench for them, um, spelling guys like Nick Clifford. Um, and uh, you know that stuff is going to matter because I'm. I am very skeptical of Arizona's bench. Um, right now, I just looked up the line. Arizona's a nine and a half point favorite. Are you shocked by that? Are you surprised by that? I'm surprised by that. I am sort of surprised by that, but like I feel like on the one hand, you know, we've we've mentioned the things that Colorado has going for him going into this game. On the other hand, Arizona has beaten Colorado pretty badly this year already. And so far this season, Tommy Lloyd has done a great job of bouncing back 
from bad performances. First time they played UCLA, UCLA physically dominated them and it just wasn't close. Next time they played Arizona completely dictated most of that game. They were clearly the better team. And I, um, I have, I'm worried like from the perspective of someone who wants the conference to get a fourth bid in Colorado, you know, is our only hope for that at this point. I'm worried that Tommy Lloyd is going to do that again, bounce back from that Colorado loss with a better game plan. But even then, I am surprised that they're getting almost 10 points. Yeah. In a game again, in without March, Kirk Risa. Without Kirk Risa after the game they just had against Stanford. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, um, this, this might be, this might be an upset. Quick question for you Colorado beats this Arizona team are they did they play themselves into the tournament did that is that enough um well here's the thing they are not in any of like the bubble watch things but that is total bullshit they should be like they should already be absolutely a bubble watch team like maybe on the outside looking in but they already beat like how many other teams there have a win over the number two team in the country yeah it's ridiculous (laughs) Yeah, and I think uh, Tad Boyle uh, mentioned it. The Virginia Tech has like what was it one quad one win, zero quad one wins? Is it like was like that, yeah. super low. Whereas Colorado has that Arizona win, has that Arizona game win, and they have the win uh, in Oregon, which I think is also a quad one win. Uh, yeah, they have two quad one wins. They're two and five in quad one games, four and three in quad two games. Five and two in, uh, against quad three, not great. And then nine and zero oh against quad four. So, um, they, and you know, the margins of victory and all that stuff, they're 74th in the net right now. I'm not sure when this is updated, if they've already updated it for the evening through March 9th. So they haven't updated it for the evening, which might give them a boost because Oregon is right there at 72. So they might be able to jump a few spots, but, um, no, I mean, I, I think I agree. I think this, they might, they should be in that conversation at least in the next four out. Um, if they don't, if they beat Arizona, they have to be at the very least first four out. Yeah, you would think but so. I, I will say um, I give credit to the Pac-12 networks for, for I mean, they've been doing a lot of propaganda as mm-hmm. they should. That's what they are. Um, trying to get more teams in the tournament, get Colorado. Really, Colorado is the one that like needs to, needs to really be mentioned here. Um, they, 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 you know, they, they, they probably should be. They should, probably should be considered, especially with the run that they've had. If they beat Arizona, that's another, that's two wins against a, a one, what will, what will ostensibly be a one seed mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and th- you know, what, three and five against quad one is not horrific. Three wins is, is not bad. So, ah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, certainly give us a lot to think about and and who knows maybe you know they if they just get in the play game that's all that's all you need as ucla showed last year mm-hmm. so okay and then the other game here is ucla usc that game is at 8 30 pacific um on fs1 i may have to maybe with a buddy that's uh, gonna here, here, i hate making plans and not putting the basketball games on my schedule because i made plans with the buddy to do some do, to get some dinner and uh you know it's gonna right it might be right in the middle of this game very depressing stuff i'll ask him if i can watch it on my phone let's we'll see he's a knicks fan so he can probably relate to torturing yourself 
Um, anyway, this game, uh, I don't have a line for it, but I don't know. Do you have any predictions about this game? Who do you think is going to be able to come out? I think UCLA is going to win comfortably. Okay. I have, comfortably. Wow. I have long thought that UCLA matches up well with USC. <laughs> and well, first time, it definitely did not go so well. Mm-hmm. That was uh, UCLA disappointed me. If UCLA is going to play defensively how they did against Washington State, they will win comfortably against USC. Yeah. Because USC does not have the shot creation to beat that. The only player on their team who can act, who, who I feel like is going to be a plus offensively in that game is Isaiah Mobley, but he can't do it on his own. He's, he's not the scorer for that. Uh, And so if UCLA is really totally locked in, they should beat USC pretty comfortably. The question is, will they? Because they are not always locked in, not even close to being always locked in. And I could totally see them. I could see them losing this game just because they're not as engaged defensively as they need to be. In the first game between these two, um, they did have a second shot creator, which is Drew Peterson, who went off um, in that first game. So who knows? Maybe that might be enough. Um, But I I tend to agree with you. I trust UCLA a lot more than I trust USC at this point. USC's just been, they've been such a bizarre team to pay attention to, to watch, to follow. They certainly have the talent. I think they're top, they're one of the three longest um teams in the country um but it's like i they like they play with their food they um they and just they just they, they get polish yeah i mean 23 turnovers tonight that's really hard i mean look they're gonna make an emphasis on that and clean that up i'm sure mm-hmm. but ucla is a better defensive team than washington um and they Maybe are it's like a different kind of uh defense you know obviously it's not Certainly the same not. defense they play yeah. and so maybe usc struggles less with that than they did against washington's turnover 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 type defense but uh i'm not confident in usc's ability to create offense in in any game but especially against a defense like ucla yeah We'll see. I mean, I think this ha- this this still has to be a Miles Johnson game for me. Um, Isaiah Mobley could very well cook if he's got Cody Riley on him. Although Isaiah Mobley and Jaime Hawkes were matched up against one another, and that was fun. That was fun. Isaiah Mobley. I think they cooked each other. I think Jaime Hawkes got the better of, of Isaiah Mobley, but Isaiah Mobley certainly got many of his looks against Jaime Hawkes. Um, you would think Miles Johnson will be more important because of all of USC's length and trying to match that. Um, and you know he's. Their UCLA is better with him on the floor. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I've got UCLA winning this game. Uh, USC terrifies me at this point just because, <laughs> you know, it's USC, what they've done over the past couple of years. They're long, and UCLA does struggle with long teams, um, especially if that long team, if the, if the coach figures their shit out and can exploit that a little bit. Andy Enfield, don't trust him to do that. But if if they if he does or they figure out ways to do that, it could be trouble for UCLA. I still think UCLA should win this game. Um, I think they will. Um, I think it it should it it probably will be close. Um, maybe not like sort of last second close, but I think USC is not gonna. I, I don't think, like think USC is gonna. From UCLA. Yeah, that's probably what I'd expect. So, yeah, I'm gonna say UCLA wins that one. Um, 
and we'll see. So that would leave us with uh, if if our we we agree. I, well, did you pick Colorado to beat Arizona officially? Uh, no, no. I think Arizona's going to win. Okay, Colorado could do it. Okay, so Arizona. It's, it's on I'm going to I'm going to pick Arizona to win. But yeah, I'm I'm I. Who do you think is more likely to pull off the upset? You uh, Colorado or USC? Oh man, I feel like I think it's Colorado, on paper, right? On paper, both teams should lose by like seven points to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's Colorado that has a better chance of winning because Arizona's missing Creesa and because Colorado just has that physicality that Arizona struggles with. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, you're not wrong. No, I'll be rooting for Colorado as someone who is loved and rooted for Arizona this whole year. I will be rooting for Colorado in this game. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm worried. I just, I want, I want, I want a good game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something exciting, something to get us to talk about. Like we, like we had tonight. I want to be able to tweet. This is March in all caps. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, that will do it for us. We will come back on Sunday. We're going to record on Sunday and post an episode on Monday. We normally would go Tuesdays, but we're going Monday because we want to be able to talk about what happened in the uh, semifinals and the final of the Pac-12 tournament. Um, And we also, we're getting selection Sunday. Um, We're going to find out which Pac-12 teams made it. Probably at this point, it will be just three, but who knows what Colorado does they muck things up a little bit or they are make it very clear and emphatic and win the conference tournament entirely possible for them to do that. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about uh, the rest of the tournament. We'll talk about the seating. We'll talk about if teams got into the NIT or getting invitations to the NIT, all of that good stuff and sort of look ahead to what the tournament has in store for the PAC 12. Uh, anyway, Thank you for listening for Greg at Banana Morse and uh, myself. <laughs> I'm Equity Bruin. Uh, no grapes, but you can find her at Brave underscore grapes and uh, Matt Hubertson. He is at Matt Nyber on Twitter. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Not even one.